Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're listening to SFP Now. Welcome to another exciting episode of uh, SFP Now. Um, our interview today is with uh, Mark Goldner, who's going to be talking about Sunday comics. But before we get to that, um, we're going to be doing our usual conversational segment. Uh, returning again is Raisa, but we also have um, our good friend up in the north, um, Craig, returning. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing good. How are you? I'm I'm sort of like a, I, I'm sort of like a ghost. I'm not real. I'm dead. I'm, I'm just sort of like, I'm I'm dead dead glued to the seat. Sounds you know? good, I guess. How are you, Reese? Are you sort of like a? Are you like I'm half ha- dead? I'm hanging in there. Oh, so you're half dead. I'm half dead. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, um, we're going to rename this show to SFP now the zombies. Um, okay. Anyway, um, we've got lots and lots of TV to discuss. Lots of new TVs come on. We've uh, had all the excitement surrounding Legends of Tomorrow, uh, Lucky Man, uh, the not-so-exciting Lucifer, and um, what was that other show again? Agent Carter. <laughs> Agent Carter, that's the one, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with, with the boob temple. <laughs> <laughs> Those those dresses well, are those dresses are amazing. Yeah, we're, we're gonna we're gonna have to talk about the uh, the boob temple dresses uh, in a little bit because um, our reviewer for Agent Carter, Britton Vanante, she's she's been doing a cracking job and she's done two fantastic reviews for us on on the website and she's coined the phrase boob temple. <laughs> um, and I think she's going to set up an altar to worship Hayley Atwell's boobs. Well, uh, at some point, <laughs> um, you know, we're probably going to have to build that into the review somehow, maybe. Um, <laughs> but um, which which show do you guys want to discuss first? Well, since we kind of started with Agent Carter, why don't we start with Agent Carter? <laughs> oh, okay. Good idea. Okay, we're going to spend about twenty minutes talking about the Boob Temple. <laughs> <laughs> there is a TV show, you know, guys. <laughs> is it? Yeah. No, <laughs> I, I, I thought I thought it was all about the boobs. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've, I've only seen the first episode because they just started airing it last night here in the UK and uh, as you people know I'm a good little boy I don't download illegally so. I have no idea what you're talking about mm-hmm. have you not? no oh. I have no idea none at all well that, that's plausible deniability if you're <laughs> you know perfectly plausible I don't download shit no. <laughs> I download diarrhea instead <laughs> uh, but um the first episode, I, I think it had a pretty strong start, but um, as was pointed out, um, she's gone to one A and she's facing the same sort of level of misogyny that she faced in the uh, first series. Yeah, that's definitely true, but it's slightly different because if you look at the scenes in New York at the start, she's kind of 
been accepted and you know everybody everybody thinks she's the the best thing around except from Thompson who immediately gets rid of him gets rid of her so that he can be um, considered for promotion. It's well, interesting how selfish he is because you know yeah. if she goes away then he will be by default the guy that gets promoted. And plus, didn't she save his book last year and not tell everyone about the fact that, um, you know, he admitted to being a complete fucking coward? Yeah, and he still is a coward as well, which is interesting. <laughs> and and that comes up between them in later episodes. Oh, right. Yeah, it's going to be an ongoing thing. Um, I don't think that Thompson's a bad guy. He's just a bit of a dick, you know, yeah. he's a bit self-serving, a bit opportunistic. Mm-hmm. And can't stand to see a woman promoted over him, which, you know, is perfect for the time period, I think. Yeah, um, I, I think it's perfect. But it, 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 we, seem to, we seem to be under the impression that um, her and Sousa had a bit of a thing uh, between season one and two. Which is weird. And I've, I've read reviews where they've brought this up, the fact that that doesn't make sense because she turned him down at the end of season one. She and and we could, I guess, go with the the assumption that something happened later, but it's it's kind of jarring. Was it not him that turned her down because she invited him out for a drink and he said no, no, no? no. She turned him down because he invited her out for a drink. Yeah, no. yeah. What you're thinking about, Craig, is at the end of the first episode, she invites him out for a drink and he turns her down, and she looks out oh, the right, yeah. and she's with some. He's actually with someone else. Mm. Um, and when we meet her in the second episode, she turns out to be the, the nicest person in the world, so it's impossible to hate her. Yeah. yeah. I I actually enjoyed Jarvis's, uh, Jarvis's wife. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. she's, ador- she's adorable. She's brilliant. Um, <laughs> yeah, she's, um, she was an Outlander as well. I know. For a few episodes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But she, I just thought she was fantastic. Did she play the, the other witch in Outlander? Yeah, the, the other person that... Spoiler alert! Was from the future. Yeah, the one that got burnt. The one that got burnt. Um, who we think's probably going to come back somehow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I thought she was bringing, you know, sort of like she, 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 she sort of like, you know, snogs Jarvis, completely embarrasses him, and then goes to produce a garter belt, which has a secret <laughs> gun holster. In it. <laughs> but, yeah, know. and it's it's good that they're not setting up a tired love triangle between the three of them as well. Like oh, she's God. pretty, yeah. she's pretty secure with her relationship with Jarvis. That you know, Peggy can be about, and she's not threatened at all, which is great. It's pretty adult. Yes. Mm. Yes. Yeah, you know, so like, um, just as so long as it doesn't go go down the route of a, um, you know, free, you know, free freeze company. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, I don't think I don't think they're gonna go there. I, I don't they're, they're probably not gonna go there, but you know, it wouldn't surprise me given you know Jarvis's wife's sort of like character. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, this this potential there. <laughs> you know, she's probably just crazy enough. Um, but you know, take, taking all that you know pervy bullshit out of the equation, um, which is really difficult considering we started this conversation talking about Peggy's boobs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I I kind of really enjoyed the build up. I enjoyed the uh, the murders, um, the, the murders bodies, to, murdered bodies turning up in the giant ice cubes. Mm-hmm. I thought that was yeah, kind of cool. It's definitely heading towards a more comic booky thing. But, um, you know, which which fits because it's kind of happened gradually. The last season was pretty much a spy show with um, with some Stark tech. But this one is all about the, you know, what else is out there sort of stuff, which is interesting. Yes, I'm, and one of the reasons why I love this show, and I'm sorry it's not doing better on the ratings. It's going to be a miracle if they get a season three. 
um, is that it's a comic book show fronted by a woman and a period piece. And I look at it and go, did you write this for me? <laughs> mm. the, the interesting thing about it is it's you know it's set in the 40s but it's after the first world war and there isn't an awful lot of fiction in the second world war even there isn't, there isn't a lot of an awful lot of fiction that explores that kind of time period between uh, the second world war and the cold war certainly not in not certainly not in american television now yeah um, i mean it's it's interesting you say this because i remember when when wayne hall used to work with me on the podcast uh, a few years back um, we were talking about Indiana Jones and uh, the potential for an Indiana Jones TV series. Um, mm. You know, kind of filling in the right. gaps, filling in the gaps between the uh, between the third indie film and the last indie film mm. with a different actor. And one of Wayne's arguments against it, which was quite rightly, you know, so was that you know period pieces set in the Second World War don't really seem to do well. Sort of thing. Yeah, well, um, I mean, everybody seems to love the Second World War, but maybe it's the time period that people aren't um, connecting with, um, because you know, people stick with Shield, and broadly speaking, it's along the same lines of you know, spy stuff, technology, superpowers. Yeah, yeah. But it's set in the present day. You know, I just think Agent Carter is a lot more interesting to look at with, you know, much more colourful settings and costumes and all that stuff, mm-hmm. whereas Shield is kind of grey and sort of antiseptic labs that they stand in most of the time. Yeah, plus S.H.I.E.L.D. doesn't have boob temples. No. <laughs> you know, it's just, but, you know, I, I, I'm with you there. I mean, I, I love the cars and the whole look and the whole period. And um, I, I also think it's really, really interesting, um, you know, seeing, you know, see, seeing, the, you know, the, the, these uh, misogynistic guys and, um, you know, a strong woman um, in, in Agent Carter in that, period yeah it fully embraces the time period and doesn't really make any apologies for it like this season has hit on the whole race concept in the second and third episode uh, with the um what's his name it was uh, jason other... wilkes yes that's the one yeah um he's you know he's obviously a black guy who's trying to make his way in la you know where he's not going to be readily accepted mm-hmm. yes it, and and that's um that, that's an interesting dynamic as well because you start out when you're first introduced to him you're kind of thinking um you know is this guy gonna you know is this guy gonna be on the side of the angels or is he sort of like um somehow being sort of like sucked into the um in, in with the bad guys camp yeah he kind of yeah he kind of works for them but doesn't work for them in effect Mm-hmm. And I love the I love the Whitney character. She's a great. She's, she's wonderful. Girl. She's she's um she's commentary on uh, Hedy Lamarr, who yeah. was uh, a an actress scientist uh, in the period, and 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 the, and the dichotomy of that. And, and she's quite wonderful. But they flipped it around because she was a actress who became a scientist, whereas this one's a scientist who became an actress, isn't it? Yes, yes. Yeah. I've got a question. This is about episode three, which is aired. Um, there's a bit where Peggy and Jarvis are walking through a set with cowboys, yeah? Now, yes. is that Clark Gregg, one of the cowboys? Is is he one of the cowboys? No, I don't think... No, it's not. Um, because I swear to God, I'm looking at a gif of him on, on, on Sci-Fi Pulse now um, in the review, and it looks like Clark Gregg with, with Stetson <laughs> on. I swear to God. Yeah. No, it's not. But it is a reference to an old comic called Kid Colt, which is so obscure that not even I've read it. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sort of like, um, that, 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 that's definitely obscure, given that you probably yeah. read everything. <laughs> yeah. Well, even the Jason Wilkes character, he appeared in like one issue of Tales of Suspense or something like that. And, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't really know who he was. So when I was doing research from a review, I came across it. But 
I didn't actually twig. So, you know, they know more about their comic lore than I do. In some Which is cases. awesome, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, first three episodes of uh, Agent Carter will be the first two for me by, by next week. Um, but is it a hit for you or a miss so far? Hit so far. Apparently a hit. hit. Yeah. yeah. I, I, actually, I actually like it better than Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Well, yeah, it's better written. I mean, it's got the guys that did, uh, you know, Winter Soldier kicking about it, you know. It's yeah. Clearly they're sitting thinking about it where S.H.I.E.L.D. doesn't have quite as strong a writing staff, even in their better episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it's 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 a hit for me. Um, and I'm just disappointed that Fox didn't follow suit here in the UK and show two episodes as opposed to one. Mm-hmm. At least they're showing it pretty quickly, uh, considering they only just showed the first season like a yeah. month ago or something. Well, I just found out we're not going to get Legends of Tomorrow to the third of March. That sucks. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it's you know, and that's you know, you'd think Sky One would know better. You know, they, 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 they used to show it, you know, a week after, but not now for some reason. Mm-hmm. I well, they got the Flash and Arrow and Supergirl pretty quick smart, didn't they? Yeah, but, they're, they're, you know, Supergirls, you know, they're not even determined the time for when that's going to return. I've got a feeling Legends of Tomorrow is going to take over its spot, mm. you know, and, and going to hold off on Supergirl until, until, until probably May or something like that, which is a bit disappointing. But then again, I don't think Supergirl's doing too, doing so hot in the States at the moment. It's, it's the weakest of the DC shows right now. Mm. Which is a shame. Yeah, it's still getting regular enough ratings, though. I think it's getting enough to keep it going. Barely, but yeah. It's it's a shame because it's um you know I you know I I've been surprisingly impressed with it so far. It's getting better, absolutely. I mean, had a bit of a rocky start and yeah, they're still finding their feet, but it's yeah, improving. It's yeah. Okay. Um. Well, should we skip on to the uh, British contingent now? Um, oh, we well, we've mentioned Legends of Tomorrow. We might as well get that out of the way. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I'm not seeing Legends of Tomorrow, so I'll let you guys go at it. Okay. Um. <laughs> Seen the first two episodes, and already Legends is my favorite DC show on right now. <laughs> I'm I'm really liking it. I think it's um you know it's a really good concept, and they're having a lot of fun with it. And I like how they've addressed the fact that it's all just these kind of spare parts lying around the other shows that make up this team by yes. Rip Hunter choosing them because they're not historically significant. I just love that. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. They're, they're kind of like DC's expendables. <laughs> Essentially, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so if their mission fails, no one will notice. You know. <laughs> well, you know, if they get Supergirl in it next year, because if it if it get, makes it to next year, they're talking about alternating the team and changing it round a bit like the. Yeah, yeah. I've I heard rumors that they're going to bring Vixen in. Vixen is going to appear in live action. Mm-hmm. Yes, she is. Uh, this season. So, and they, and I've heard rumors that that if that they're going to that they're going to bring like, that we're going to have a, a season two of the animated Vixen. And that maybe she'll be rotated into Legends tomorrow for season two. Yeah, we didn't. We didn't. They can afford it <laughs> for a second year. We didn't get that in the UK, Vixen. No, I'm I'm sorry about that. It was it was very rushed, but awesome for what it was. Mm-hmm. I think you can actually still you can actually just watch it on CWC or whatever it's called. It doesn't it didn't lock me out regionally when I tried. Mm. Oh, I'll have to have a look later on. Yes, later. Um, I did, my, my, my impression was that it did lock, um, but it, that might have been earlier. Things mm, might have changed, yeah. I'm not sure. It didn't when I tried to look at it. You know, it just worked. Well, uh-huh. Maybe it let you in because you're from Scotland mm-hmm. and, it, and, and didn't let me out because I'm sort of like a nimey Brit, you know. <laughs> I mean, give it a go and see if it lets you, mate. <laughs> I'll give it a go, yeah. 
they've also um, they've also talked about John Constantine joining the team, but I think that was just speculation. Yeah, I, I hope so because because if they get Vixen and John Constantine, we could we could end up with the de facto Justice League Dark. Yeah, yeah. You no, know, which which would be kind of cool in itself. Yeah, yeah so. I think uh, I actually think John would be good, better placed on the team this season because Vandal Savage is kind of a magical villain. Yeah, um, yeah. He's also a really, really boring villain. He is, and it's not Casper Crumb's fault. He's doing the best he can. They're just not writing him as effectively as they could. Yeah, I mean, it yeah. showed it showed it all when Damien Dark was in one scene and yes. stole the episode from him. Yeah, and he didn't even do anything. He just no. spoke, you know. Yeah. Yeah, but that, that, the, the the actor that plays Damien Dark has got an incredible presence. That's that's Neil that's Neil McDonough yeah. for you. He's got, so. he's got a brilliant presence. Yeah, and the character's written really well. Mm. Yeah, and so like um, characters actually written better than bloody um, Arrow. <laughs> yeah, no. In some cases, yeah. <laughs> one one of the significant issues I have, and and this is hard because shows like this across the board are driven by the villains. Okay, mm. which which means that you have to write engaging villains. But if you write them too engaging, they outshine the heroes. Mm. And that's that's the systemic. What's one of the systemic flaws of of the CWDC shows? Yeah. And is that is that the villains are more engaging than they are? To be, to be honest with you, sir, I don't think that's all to do with the writing. I think it's also to do with the actors that they're choosing as well. This is true. I mean, you get John Berriman on the screen, you're pretty much done right there. So, yeah. although they hit the right balance with, you know, Deathstroke with Arrow and um, Reverse Flash with in the Flash. That's you know, true. That, that, hit, that hit the right balance, I think. And Damien Dark's pretty close to that balance, but every time he, he's on screen, he just steals it. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe maybe they'll add some depth to uh, to 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 uh, Vandal Savage because he is like five thousand years old. You think there'd be depth there? Yeah, they have to. They have to. I mean, he's just gonna, he's just gonna seem like a joke if they're taking him down every week. Yeah, yeah. I feel like he's the henchman for some bigger bad guy. Which is scary. Yeah. Because yeah. um, it just because I mean because if you look at it, if you look at the chronolo- chronology of it, and you accept what they're giving at us at face value, um, Damien Dark is the whippersnapper. He's the toddler. Okay. Well, and- I mean. It- yeah, but at that point, yeah, Damien Dark will be at it for a while as well. Yeah. But yeah, he was definitely a buyer, whereas Savage was a seller. So. Seller, yeah. So mm-hmm. just and um, the action sequences were insane. Yeah, mm-hmm. I couldn't believe they were doing it on a TV budget and seeing Ray Palmer come out of um. Out of pocket was, like that was in that was, my... that was the perfect entrance. I thought it was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I've got to ask you guys a question, right? Um, well, I've, I've actually forgotten the question now. <laughs> <laughs> but I was, I was just going to ask: um, do, do you think it's do you think it's strong enough to actually get a second season based on what you've seen so far? Because I was actually uh, reading uh, Patrick's review of the first episode, and he said the first episode, you know, he gave it was it, a, it was exposition heavy, and they yeah. probably would would have benefited if running the two together. But yeah. putting those structural structural issues aside, if you take what they're doing as a story with 13 chapters yes I have a feeling that by the time they're done they will have earned themselves a second season is Whether it 16 episodes it gets 16 yes you're yeah. right 16 yeah whether or not they can pay for 16 episodes because here, here's the thing should they get a second season yes would they get a second season if everyone had their druthers yes will the CW automatically find the money to do this again 
Who knows? Because mm, it's, yeah. it's obviously a very expensive show. Yeah, it's really expensive. You've got so many powers and stunts and stuff to get through in every episode. But I wonder if they're just throwing all the money at the, the pilot and they'll dial it down a bit over the next few episodes. They're going to have to because they're not going to be able to, financially they won't be able to sustain regardless of whatever they do narratively. Yeah. And this is because that was insane. Well, so are they going back? Are they going back and forward in time in this as well? Yeah, it's basically, it's basically yeah. Doctor Who meets Guardians of the Galaxy. Well, that's what they're calling it anyway. Mm. Well, that 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 time itself is going to cost them an absolute fortune with all the period dress and everything. Yeah, although so far they've kind of been sitting in pretty confined sets, so it's been okay. You know, you just decorate it and you put the actors in seventies outfits. And that's fine. Okay. Um, Katie Watts's white canary seventies outfits were just scary. <laughs> they, were, they were wonderful. Yeah, well, Kate Knotts is scary. <laughs> well, she, um, she's actually the, the strongest part of the show for me at the moment because, you know, she's the one that's having the most fun with it. She's kind of embodying the tone that they're shooting for. Yeah, but, you know, um, I don't mean Kate Knotts is scary in that sense. I mean, sort of like she's scaringly good. Oh, you know, yes, in, yes. In, As Black Canary and, and, and uh, I should imagine the White Canary. I've not seen it yet. Yes. Or um, I've got to be honest. I preferred her canary to the the other one. Everyone did. <laughs> um, you know, I I just don't like I don't like that character at all. No, no, it's, and it's a shame because um, originally she was meant to be the female lead, and things shifted. Yeah. So no, it's, uh, she's getting better though. I mean, she's getting more skilled in her role, and you know, and they had a few missteps when she's kind of judging people for doing things that she already did, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's judging a fav being now cognitive and then what she do? She goes yeah. and develops a drink problem herself. Or she's um you know or she judges Oliver for keeping um keeping anarchy as a prisoner when she had her, you know, resurrected sister locked in a basement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, song like uh, she's riddled with double standards. Yeah. 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 A bit like the Conservative government here in the UK. <laughs> 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 but we'll, we'll not go there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, um, so must watch television, is it? Yeah. If you just, you know, if you like watching a bunch of superheroes having fun and kicking ass, then it's the show for you. It is kind of very much like the Avengers on television. Mm-hmm. How's how's Rip Hunter coming going down after Darvel? Because um, you know, in in the train, you've just seen very little of him. He's very joyless. He's pretty good. Yeah. Okay. He's- yeah, it's good. It's good. So I'll let you guys talk about Lucky Man now. I'll bow out while you do that. Good. Well, you know, feel free to come in and ask some questions about it if you want, Ray. Really, so, yeah. Um, cause it's Is prompt- it coming to the US at all? I, I don't even know. Um, I hope it does because it sounds like a show I'd watch if it does. I, I don't have time right now to hunt it, hunt for it on alternate channels. So mm. I'm going to hope that it airs legally at some point. I imagine with the, the San Lee name attached, it's bound to international attention it's got to it really you know it's also got you've also got um you know the the irish actor i forget his name james nesbitt james nesbitt that's the one yeah he was awesome in in moffat's in moffat's uh, jekyll so it's very good it's very good He's pretty, pretty, pretty awesome in pretty much most things. Is in he, even even when he's in complete crap, <laughs> it's usually sort of like uh, the standout in it. Um, but I like the setup of this show. Um, it's sort of like um, he's a cop. He's got a gambling problem, and what you know, what what happens? He gets given a bracelet which gives him a hundred percent luck. 
Which is probably the worst thing you can give to anyone with a gambling problem. <laughs> Yeah, it's um, yeah. The first episode I and mean, the second one's on as we speak. But the first episode was promising enough. I think it got it has that stink of an American procedural about it. You know, the whole um, detective solves crimes, but with a gimmick. In this case, the gimmick being luck. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, you know, you kind of got that with with this. So I think it'll be familiar to American audiences. They've also made London out to look like it's really glitzy, and you know. They're at the, the London Police Department because that exists, you know, mm-hmm. things like that. Oh, okay. You know, so yeah. like they're not they're not showing any of the East End of London or any of the uh, back hangers or any of the uh, any of the dives. But it looks glamorous when it needs to be and pretty seedy when it needs to be. So you know, setting wise, it's it's a London that we've never seen before, really. But I think it'll the shorthand will work for American audiences that are used to the same thing. Yeah, I um I quite enjoyed the uh, the role that Stephen McIntosh plays as his sort of like disgruntled boss. Yeah. You know. Um but from 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 what I can gather looking on IMDB when I did my review last week, I was looking on IMDB and it looks like Stephen McIntosh, you know, that was it. He's well, he's never in it again. Well that's what it looks like because he he's he's only listed in the cast for one episode and and um, the, the the lady that plays his partner, she's only listed in in it for two. So um, whether, whether they are in the other episodes or not um, remains to be seen. Yeah, um, it's maybe it's just not been updated yet. You know, but it's um, I actually like those two characters. I liked his partner. Um, yeah, um, I think yeah, I think there's a solid base for you know the, the show to carry on. Uh, James Nesbitt def- definitely carries it and he elevates it as well. I don't think that it would be as good with another actor. No, this is no way it would be as good with another actor. I think yeah. I think they've actually just picked the right right actor for the role. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously the uh, the bracelet thing that brings him up that's very obviously a Stan Lee sort of like trope because yeah, powers like, but with consequences. Yeah. yeah, and it'll be interesting to see as the series develops what sort of uh, knock on effects that this this bracelet has every time Nesbit has a win or something. Yeah. Because that's that's um, that that's 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 probably where 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 it's going. Yeah, I found the murder in the first episode pretty boring. You know, the the whole questioning and wandering around and investigating parts were, mm-hmm. you know, they weren't all that interesting. I kept wanting to go back to the more mystical stuff, but it didn't go there enough for me. Yeah, I'm kind of hoping it goes there in in the subsequent episodes because I, I'm with you there. I completely agree with you. Um, what I what I also found I quite enjoyed was the uh, the fact that you know the uh, the woman that gave him the bracelet, uh, she, she goes back to him and she tells him that the you know that that the bracelet wasn't actually intended for him and the person that it was yeah. intended for, um, are gonna be coming after him. But yeah. also, if you skip right back to the very beginning, you got a guy wearing a bracelet who pretty much takes his own life yeah. right at the start. And again, the whole um, the whole not supposed to have this power thing is very Stanley. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's all about giving people that aren't ready for something or don't want something a power and forcing them to deal with it. I think his involvement probably ends about there. So, I'm guessing. So do I, because it's uh, it's actually too well written to be Stanley on his own. <laughs> Well, the guy's 93, you know, I think creatively he's given all he really needs to. Mm-hmm. True, but it's just that where, where, where I'm coming from is um, I've seen some of the animated films that he did, you know, when, mm. when he had Power Entertainment, and they're pretty shallow. Yeah, although he, he had some pretty some pretty strict remits when he was making those as well. Mm. I've, I've watched some of them on Hulu. I think I know the ones you're talking about. They're they're okay, not great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, Risa, I think you're probably enjoying Lucky Man. Yeah. 
It's, There's uh, definitely enough in there to make me watch another episode, certainly. Yeah. I mean, the, they, they need to beef up the investigation stuff because it's just nothing new. We've seen it all before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they need, they need to put him in more jeopardy. I mean, um, the nef- mm-hmm. at the tail end of the first episode, his knife was in utter in jeopardy. And I can't yeah. wait to see how he gets out of that one. <laughs> because, <laughs> I swear to God. Um, and this is a bit of a spy on a race, so cover your ears. Um, he's sort of like, he's just, he's just drove the boat, and he's sort of like, done, he's, he's done that sort of like, uh, stunt in the boat, falling in the water. His, his legs have got caught up in, caught up in some neck, in, in some netting, and his hands above the water, and some guy's coming at him with a chainsaw. <laughs> <laughs> to take his hand off. Yeah. It's, it's quite an extreme scenario. It really is. It's mental. <laughs> so, I, I just can't wait to see how he gets out of that. Um, but talking about that, uh, we'll go from uh, Mucky Man to the other procedural show that uh, started last, last week, uh, Lucifer. Yeah, um, this, I, is, this is where I can come in. Um, go ahead, Craig. I quite liked it, actually. I thought it was, um, you know, it certainly has potential. It's that kind of standard procedure thing, but I like the Lucifer character, and I think Tom Ellis plays him really well. You know, he's kind of arrogant without being annoying about it. I love it. Mm. Um, I think that I think they need to dial back on the whole procedural stuff because um, because it's kind of it's kind of dull and played out. But I, I kind of I quite like how people admit their darkest desires whenever they're around them. Mm-hmm. I um I thought that Ellis was awesome, but that the show going on around him was basically crap. Um, I was actually bored. I was looking at my watch for. <laughs> um, I think parts of it dragged, but generally it kept my attention. I just you know I think that he's pretty magnetic, so you know you can sort of believe that people will be seduced by his by his charms, as it, as it were. Yeah, I, I can sort of believe believe it as well, but the uh, the thing is, it's uh, got absolutely nothing in common with the uh, with the comic book. I have heard that, so but I've never read it, so I couldn't uh, really judge it on ne- that basis. Ne- neither have I, but we got we got an interesting uh, post, an interesting reaction to my review because um, I reviewed it and I gave the story. I think I gave the story. I gave it a pretty low mark. I lowballed it. I gave the story five point five out of ten. <laughs> And gave the acting an 8, the CGA mm. an 8.5, the incidental music an 8. So I was kind of like, um, I thought it was alright, but I wasn't really massively impressed by it. And I'm probably I'm probably somewhere in between Reese's camp and yours. I thought Tom Ellis was absolutely fantastic. Um, but the guy that's, that, that's come in and answered, he's, he's read the comics and he said he felt Lucifer had less humour than Preacher. Certainly it had no one like Irish Vampire Cassidy, and its lead <laughs> character being the devil, I don't think could easily be described as charming. A calculating, unfeeling motherfucker would surely be a better description. And that's basically that's basically him describing the character of Lucifer from the comic. Right. Um, that, I don't think that would track on a TV show, you know, if you're supposed to follow someone like that. I think, um, you know, bringing in the fact that he kind of cares about some people is interesting because he's not really supposed to because he's a immortal angel who's supposed to be above all that. True. Uh, but, you know, the thing is, um, like he goes on to explain later on, on in, in, his, uh, in, in his analysis, and he's not seen the episode, he's just basing his analysis on what he's read from my review. 
He says, uh, if they were to do, do a true version to the comic, it'd probably have to be on Stars or HBO. Mm, so it's one of those types of comics, right? Yeah, it's, it's really, really dark. Um, mm. So it's, it's, it's an interesting dichotomy between, between what's in the comic and, and what, we're, what, what you're getting on the... Um, is it on NBC, Reese, or is it... It's on Fox. It's Fox, yeah. Okay. Oh, it's doomed. <laughs> yeah. um, well, you know, I'm usually the, the first to get annoyed when people... Pay, don't pay attention to the source material and I kind of made allowances for that when I reviewed it but also I couldn't really judge it based on its connection to the comics I could only judge it on its merits as a TV show and I thought as a TV show it certainly had potential I think maybe once the pilot's out of the way you know like the Supergirl I think they'll be able to go off and do different things for later episodes yeah. so, to, to put this in perspective Lucifer airs after the X-Files revival mm. they put the two in a block <laughs> yeah, if they put it before the X Files revival, the X Files revival will get no no ratings. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we'll see how it goes. I'll certainly keep watching it for a bit and see how it, you know see how it turns out. I do like it so far. Some of it seems a bit too Constantine for me though, because you know he has this angel, this morally duplicitous angel that turns up to um, to speak to him now and again. And yeah, I thought that angel was actually the be- one of the better parts of it. Yeah, he was, he was okay. I like the fact that he's looking for a war and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, he, he's nowhere. It's nowhere near as good a version of the devil than than was in Reaper a few years ago. Uh huh. Oh yeah, yeah that, was, that that version devil was um, funny as hell. <laughs> Ray Wise, excellent. <laughs> uh, and uh, the the version of Supernatural is a lot better as well. Mm-hmm. Which um, I don't I don't don't remember much about the version in Supernatural. Was it Mark Pellegrino? Yeah, who, who embodied it, sort of thing. Yeah. Because we didn't we we only really seen him in a handful of episodes. Yeah, he keeps um, turning up now and again. He's he's turned up recently actually. They made a a bit of a jab at the Lucifer show as well because he was trying to get Sam to say yes to possession again, and uh, and when Sam said no, he said, "Oh come on, we could go we could move to LA and solve crimes." <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> Supernatural um, knocking on that fourth wall again. Yeah, they could have, you know, I'd go to have Crowley turn up in something <laughs> else because I think, I think that, I think Mark, um, Mark, Mark, Pellegrino. No, that's not Mark Pellegrino. Oh, Mark Shepard. Mark Shepard. I think he's just an awesome actor. Oh, he's brilliant. Everything he's in, you know, he's just so good at playing a villain. Yeah. Or the morally ambiguous lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> I just, uh, I just, I just love any anything he's in. You know, I, I'm, I'm instantly there. Um, you know, I thought it was absolutely fantastic in White Collar. He, he uh, did, did, did a couple of uh, episodes of White Collar a few years back. Yeah, I never actually saw that, but mm, I might have a look at it now that I know he's in it. Well, he's, he's only in, he's only in a handful of episodes, but you know, the actual show itself is actually pretty, pretty, pretty good. It's basically an FBI agent and um, and a con man, and the con man's sort of like working for the FBI, sort of thing. Right, cool. As an asset, mm. um, but you know they've also got another. You know, it's it's got quite a few 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 good villains in that show, sort of thing. Yeah. You know, so yeah, I'll definitely stick with Lucifer. I think I think it's um, it has potential as long as they move away from this procedural side of things. Because I don't really watch procedural stuff, but I get kind of bored by it. Well, I'm not surprised. I mean, there's so many of them on. We've got NCIS this, NCIS that, CSI this, CSI that. Um, what's the other one? Law and order this, law and order that. 
Yeah. You know, they've not even got the originality to call them something different anymore. (laughs) The the only sort of crime-solving procedural I enjoy is iZombie, but it's not even the crime-solving part that's Mm. the best. You know, it's the more more about her her embodying different personalities. Mm. And I think Lucifer will be largely the same. It won't be it won't be interesting because it won't murder you solving that week. It'll be interesting because of what he brings out in people. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I've kind, you know, I kind of like enjoyed the fact that Lucifer just goes and kills the perp anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, you know, so like it'd be, I, I'll probably, I'll probably stick with it for a few weeks. Um, I mean, given how how lonely I scored the first episode, it can't really get any worse. <laughs> I don't think. I gave it seven point five out of ten, which is kind of mm. top end of average. Yeah, so I, I, I kind of, I kind of split the difference and went right down the middle at five point five. Mm. Um, I don't know how, I don't know how Reese would have marked it. So Reese, how would you mark probably, it? Probably around six. Probably around six. So you, you know, you probably would have been more generous than me. Yeah, but that's only because of Tom Ellis, basically. So yeah, definitely, he elevates the material. I mean, I was enjoying it because he was in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean. I, I, I enjoyed Tom Ellis, I thought he did a bit a great job, but you know and and um but I, I gave the acting an eight overall because, you know, one actor you know, you're talking about the acting overall and not with one actor. Mm, which true. Is, true. Which is why well, the um, the eight. agent was was pretty good as well. Chloe, I forget the actress's name, but the the character was, was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I thought I thought it was quite funny that she was in a porn film before, you know, a soft porn film. <laughs> yeah. And you get reference in that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and there's the, um, you know, she's the standard agent with a chip on her shoulder because is there any other kind? <laughs> yeah, it is kind of a cliche, that, isn't it? Yeah, and as long as they move away from that cliche pretty quickly, it'll, it'll be a good dynamic. But mm-hmm. the problem I was having with Limitless, which is a similar concept really, is they weren't moving away from that mm-hmm. ever. You know, I've watched like three episodes, but they never moved away from the... the the boring dynamic they set up in the first episode. Well, hopefully they do. So, um, so I think um, with all the other shows, it's a must-watch. With 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 this show, it's kind of like a give it a try. Yeah, give it a go. You know, give it a go. It might get better. You know, you know, you could, you know, you could do far worse. You could you could actually watch an episode of EastEnders. Yeah. You know, but or, you, or, or celebrity Big Brother or something. Yeah, you know, just... and and if you're going to do that, I, 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 I strongly suggest you have a sidearm fully loaded by, yeah. by by the side. I was I had the misfortune of taking in a little bit of Celebrity Big Brother when I was at my parents last week. Oh, it's horrific. Oh my god! I was actually. I also I also don't know who any of them are. But... I don't either. Um, I mean, I caught some of it. Uh, few the week David Bowie died, I was at my um, I was at my sister's. My sister had it on, and that Angie Bowie, she goes and tells tells that that, that Tiffany chick, oh David's dead, David's dead, and she goes she goes into the bedroom to check on David, and David's fully alive and fully functional, and <laughs> and 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 this this whole drama unfolds with this Tiffany, and the whole house turns against Tiffany sort of thing, because she's. Completely misunderstood Angie, uh, who, who used to say that uh, David Bowie is dead. And I thought, are you fucking thick? <laughs> oh, dear. Um, Even if she's not, and they just engineered it as, as one of their not scripted, scripted things, because that's how this works, it's dumb. Yeah, it's also quite sick as it's well. It's very sick, you know. Because, 
you know, it's, I mean, they had Andy Bowie in there, so it wouldn't surprise me if it was engineered. Yeah. I'm thinking, um, I'm thinking, Celebrity Hunger Games is the future of reality TV. Yeah, I, I actually think, I'd watch that. I actually think it should go further. Celebrity running person, <laughs> you know, and um, you know, and they basically have the, uh, the 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 chasers that are after them with chainsaws and stuff, disgruntled <laughs> television viewers. You know? Yeah. That'd work. Yeah, something like that. You know, I, I think they should actually make politics a reality TV show and just have all the leaders of the parties over the course of a year have to live homeless without no resources and, <laughs> and no one to call for it for about six weeks and then ha- have them have to take a really low paying job for six weeks and, and all this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and, and whoever wins at the end is voted for genuinely by the public. You'd, you'd hmm. probably get more people bloody voting at elections that way. Yeah, you probably could. <laughs> yeah, know. it could be interesting. Yeah. yeah, could do that in the US as well. Get Donald yeah. Trump living on the poverty line. <sighs> yeah, okay. he won't last five seconds. <laughs> 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 okay. Um, well, that, that's about uh, it for this, this this week's discussion. We're going to move on to uh, our interview now with um, Mark Goldner. Um, who's actually the editor in chief of um, of the Sunday Comics, which is um, an exciting new project, which um, which has just been funded by Kickstarter, and it's, um, it's it's an ongoing thing. So we'll 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 go right into that. I'd like to uh, introduce uh, Mark Goldner to the show, who's um, really much uh, broken into the world of comics um, in, in his own way. Um, with the, you know, with, with 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 is it Golden Bell Comics? Golden Bell, Golden, Golden Bell. Bell Comics, right? Um, well, Mark, uh, first off, welcome to the show. It's great having you on. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And I think I think where I'd like to start is I'd like to ask you, uh, how did you get into comics? So. Um, I always say, like, I always have a little bit of a different answer anytime someone asks me because it's such a long story. Um, I've been reading comics uh, since I'm very, very young. I'm talking, like, the first thing I can re- read was uh, Sunday uh, comics pages. Um, I have two business partners with this. Uh, Rachel was always uh, very big into anime when she was younger and still today. And Rob also uh, really delved into everything from film, uh, comics, and he had a bunch of different firsts. Um, with me specifically, I had known that I always wanted to uh, create some type of stories. When I had first went to college uh, back in, geez, 10 years ago, um, I had started working on a television show and had written several seasons and uh, all that in at some point, very soon after, within a year and a half, two years, I said, yeah, this is never going to get made um, mm-hmm. the way it is now. I'm, I'm nobody. Uh, nobody knows who I am. Nobody will ever fund something like this. It's just not possible. So pretty much I kind of uh, sadly pushed away it, on it. And that, that was for several years where I wasn't really sure exactly how I wanted to do it because I didn't want to work um, specifically like just in the industry. I didn't want to really work on other people's projects. I've always been an entrepreneur. Um, my dad's an entrepreneur. He started several businesses. And I said that I wanted to do something that I made. And I had always wanted to do something in entertainment. Um, then I, uh, I had met Rachel. And um, what she pretty much can 
convinced me uh, to to focus on a couple other things. And after a few years, um, we we had graduated Ohio State, um, which was a lot of fun. And in that time, I had met Rob in one of the first classes I took um, in a pretty much like a, a film English class. I had brought a comic book to class to show the teacher, and like Rob stopped me that day, and we were friends ever since. So for a couple of years, we were kind of always percolating ideas and stuff like that. Rob wasn't 100% sure what he wanted to do, but at that point, we all said that we were going to do something. Mm -hmm. Then Rachel and I had went to Europe for a few months on study abroad, and we were we came up with this idea for a film, a film that could be shot with money that we had. Um, and it was an, an original idea. It was something very cool. Um, so I called up Rob when I was literally in the middle of the ocean at two in the morning. Um, and it was an expensive call, but I always say that was probably one of the most important calls of my life because uh, and one of the most expensive because we really, that's when I can say that was when we said, we're definitely going to be doing this. Um, so at first it was like, I don't know about the idea because it was like two in the morning or whatever. And I pretty much laid it upon him and then a year, about, no, it wasn't a year. At that point, it was like three, four months later, we had a screenplay. We had our first like finished screenplay. We had written other things like teleplays and stuff like that. But then again, we said, you know what? Let's figure out what else we can do creatively because this turned out really good. And we started pumping out like teleplays and screenplays and we created like a dozen TV show concepts, written pilots, uh, written a bunch of films. And then we said again, what I said back 10 years ago, this can't get made. Um, so put it on the back burner and we were still a little bit unsure of exactly what we were going to do. And then, I mean, this story is it's a lot more detailed. I'm giving you like cliff notes. That's and then cool. we, we had come up with the idea at some point to start a company together um, while this was going on. And then I had, uh, I had come up with an idea to for one of my senior classes at the time um, to do a project, um, pretty much an anthology called like Sunday Comics. Um, I was just talking with Rob a few hours ago that he didn't see it at first. He didn't see how it all connected. Um, and now that we have like hundreds of creators on board, it's like something so cool to bring back an art form that's not really prevalent today that we all loved and grew up on mm -hmm. and also creatively work on things at the same time. Cool. I mean, that, that's, you know, like, like you say, one, one of the coolest things about comics. And, you know, I actually realized this early on because um, back when I was a kid, um, I was picking up DC comics of Star Trek, for God's sake, as well as so like um, the other DC characters. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the, the cool, cool thing about it is, you know, you, you can actually do in comics a lot, of the, a lot of the stuff and a lot of the effects and a lot of the monsters and stuff that you couldn't do in, in the movies or TV shows back then. Although movies are now catching up, you know, if they weren't, we wouldn't have Captain America and all, all these movies coming out that based on comics. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, one thing I always like to clarify is that I don't think it's so cut and dry as people make it because I know a lot of creators that say they just want to do comics or a lot of screenwriters that say they just want to do film. I think that what we're doing is something, it's different. It's, mm -hmm. it's doing something that a lot of people are not doing. Maybe have, I don't know if it's not have thought to do. A lot of it is 
being a creator myself, I always say you can't have an ego. Ideas are going to change and you have to be okay with that. I mean, some of these, these ideas have changed and because, hey, it works better with a comic. And then we said if, if or when ideally this gets made into a TV show, it's going to change again. And that's just, that's just the way it is. And being open-minded to creators out there is one of the most important things. I mean, some people have pitched ideas to us and we've now started collaborating with them and helped uh, di give direction of that, that vision. A lot of people say like working with us um, is really inspiring. I mean, one thing that everyone says is I'm a guy that wants to get things done. And mm -hmm. one of the biggest, biggest hindrances in creative processes is that people can become perfectionist or worry about a panel. And I sometimes used to do this. Um, where you worry about like how one panel looks or does this, is this line of dialogue really good? Um, and I always say, push forward, just keep going. Like, because if you're going to worry about one page, you know what? Most people are not going to notice it. And we're not talking about, uh, creating something that's going to win an Oscar right now. Um, that's, that's not, that should not, that can be your goal going forward. But that should not be what you're doing. Not everything that we do is going to be a multi-million dollar idea. And I say that's a very big problem in the industry where people, I mean, a lot of people uh, say that I'm one of the only people they interview that talks about this part of the business. But and a lot of artists are worried about royalties constantly is mm -hmm. very worrying to me because they shouldn't be worried only about royalties. The pay needs to be linked to that. And it's, it's a matter of people have been swindled and duped into believing that all their ideas are going to be worth millions of dollars. People forget Stanley and Jack Kirby didn't make their money for 30 plus years. Mm -hmm. The royalties at the end of the day are most likely worthless. Um, no matter what you have. Uh, and that's a really important part to understand because it's not about profit. It's not about, uh, it's not about royalty. It's about what you can do with the idea and a realistic viewpoint on it. So w when we're looking at this stuff, I always say there's a very big difference between saying I want a royalties or quote unquote copyright or rights, whatever on an idea that I created versus, um, an idea that's been around like for a hundred years, like Superman. Um, from what I've seen of, of the work that you've done uh, for Golden Bell, it looks like you're, you're inspired by, you know, a lot of the classic newspaper comic strips, you know, the pulp-style storytelling. Um, could you maybe talk, talk, talk a little bit about some, some of your characters you, you, you have, have in Golden Bell? Okay, so a lot of our stories, um, a lot of people ask, like, what, what do you write? What do you like to write? Um, and we all always laugh because Rob, Rachel, and I, we have a lot of similarities and things that we like a lot, but we also have a big difference in our favorite things. So I'll give you an example with anime. This is always my favorite example. Rachel loves Naruto. Mm -hmm. Rob loves One Piece and I love Dragon Ball Z. So we love the, that method of storytelling, but our favorites are really different. And some people can say, you know, that they're the same. And I've had this conversation, but there really is a difference in genre. Um, it may not be storytelling wise. It, it's very similar, but like the what's being told and messages and tones and themes and characters are different. Um, there obviously are overlapping similarities, but with with things specifically, um, I was heavily, heavily influenced by by Lost. And there, really what it comes down to is once I had seen a show like Lost, I said, this is what I want to be doing. I want to make, I want to make a show like this. 
And I remember all the water cooler discussions back when I was in school. A lot of people hated Lost, but the ones that loved it, we loved it. We were like talking about the mystery. What is this? What's going on here? What's this character doing? Oh my God. Like I didn't know this. Um, and it was a lot of fun, uh, getting to experience that. And there's no show that I really think had that same impact. Because Game of Thrones, look, I love Game of Thrones, but Game of Thrones goes for that kill impact. It's like someone, the, people are leading to who's going to die next. The stakes, <laughs> that, that's really what it is. It's like, oh my God, he died. Okay, like Lost, pretty much it was like, what is in the ground? What is this? Like, j- just like looking at the first season, it's like this, this show that was, people thought was almost about like there were doctor aspects to it and like family aspects. And then it became this crazy mystery show, um, I think was so expertly done that it doesn't get enough credit. And most creatives that we know are not fans of Lost. And we always joke that, uh, that Rachel, Rob and I all love Lost is very, it's very fitting as, as creators because of how we want to tell stories. So there are aspects to, of course, the, the Paul era. Rob's also been heavily influenced by that. Um, I love my serialized stories. Um, I always say I'm a bigger fan of TV than movies. Not that I don't love movies. But I love the format of saying I, I just personally care more about a character that I watch every week rather than someone that I mm-hmm. see once every three years. Um, so shows that, I mean, I grew grew up watching uh, in the past 15 years, ranged from like 24, Heroes, uh, Lost, Breaking Bad, uh, then like shows like that I still rewatch, like DuckTales, Tailspin, um, a lot of the Disney stuff. Um, so I always say the Sunday comics, what people have had in their mind is that it was for kids. A lot of people just stop reading them. That was it. But what I think can be done with the format is something that has not been done. And that's what we're trying to do. It does not need to be just for children. You can tell a comic book type story on newspaper. And the reason is not because the paper is better. Forget this idea about collectors. You're talking to someone that has, I think, four or five dozen like long boxes of collectors, uh, <laughs> comics. Um, I'm a collector, but you know what? I'm not looking to get rich off it. I'm not looking to sell this stuff. I had a water main break um, a, couple, a year or so ago, and I had lost like my original Walking Dead collection. Um, I wasn't upset because it it was worth the first issue was worth like I think a few thousand dollars. It's because I lost something that I love. I mean, and a lot of these people I know just collect stuff, and they've told me, "Oh yeah, newspaper doesn't have value because it uh, it's already bent." Like I'm talking about enjoying the story on a huge piece of paper. You cannot compare reading the same story on a huge giant newspaper versus an iPhone. Mm-hmm. You can't. Um, I'm looking at your I'm looking at your website here, and mm-hmm. I'm looking at some of the characters you have in Golden Bell. I mean, you, you've got you've got a comic book called Boarded. Oh, um, Boarded, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, do you mind you know taking us through a little bit of what that's about and? Um, what sure, sure, sure. So, um, yeah, we're going to be unveiling stuff a lot more frequently now. Um, I just haven't actually had time to deal with the website. So I'll talk about the ones that are on the site. Um, so boarded is pretty much uh, an idea. Uh, you know, let me talk about the first one that I came up with. Because sure. this kind of set everything in motion. And it's kind of like a cool story. So the, the loop was one of the first ones that I came up with. Um, and... It's pretty much just a, a mystery story about a, a time traveler that's, he's stuck in time. He can't escape. Like he constantly is running through time and he's going through different ages and time periods. 
So like one time he's in like a futuristic city, one time he's in an adventure story, another time um, he's in like a fantasy world and he's always running, searching for his way back home. And I'm not going to spoil the ending, but it's pretty cool um, how, how we did it. So we, we kind of debuted it with a two-page teaser. And that's about a lot how we write. So people love movie trailers, and that's what makes them go see movies. Mm -hmm. We're not only writing comics when we're writing them. We're, we're writing this stuff as trailers because Rachel is our main in-house artist. We, we work with over 50 people on stories that we wrote. But our babies, our big ideas, Rachel is is working on, and she cannot do 50 pages of each story. So we're doing like two to four page teasers of stories and then moving on. And I say, look at it as a trailer of what's to come. Um, with, with, a sh uh, with a comic more like Boarded, it's pretty much about this, uh, this girl that's sent to boarding school, and it's a haunted boarding school. Um, it's, it sounds typical, but we came up with a very cool twist that I'm not going to spoil either because it's... Something, it, it, it's pretty much a girl, a girl that sees something that's, that's not there. And she's, uh, when, when she's shipped off and her parents are arguing about these things, she gets sent to this boarding school. But the question is, is she really there? And it's also a father's search for his daughter. So there's a lot of, it's a really interesting, like mind bend of like, the, people will see that coming. If they go back and see it, that'll be really cool. Um, Uncontacted is a story that we created, um, about an, a, a group of indigenous tribe members that are living in, in the world that we live in today. And if you're familiar with real life aspects of this, is that there's a big debate in the United Nations if we should bring this in, these indigenous tribes to modern society. And a lot of people are like, no way, we're not going to do this. We can't do it. Um, they won't be able to handle it. Uh, their way of living can never merge with ours. Then others say, we have to. We have a right to give them medicine. We have a moral obligation to give them medicine, food, uh, that stuff. So when one of these guys is sent from the UN, he's kind of like a an archetype where he's like really trying to acclimate them and trying to learn about the, the group. He, he starts to uncover a mystery of why they're there. And it's not just because they're an indigenous tribe that don't know anything. Um, they might not be able to leave. And why they can't leave, I think what we came up with is, it's like one of those mystery box type things. Like, you're going to be guessing um, mm -hmm. what's, what's going on. And, and the setup is a bit slow. Like, the first couple of pages is not, like, the most exciting thing, but, like, once we get into telling the story, it's pretty cool uh, what we came up with. And another one that's on the site, They Came From the Sky, is pretty much about an alien world uh, that is that has an invasion by um, these weird type of aliens, like aliens with octopus tentacles. Um, and the story is really about this this one character that escapes the, the original battle and there are underground cities, um, and these underground cities are a huge important part to kind of getting back and figuring out what happened to these these uh, these people and why they're here and who they are. So these stories are our earliest stories, and the reason we put them on here is because they aren't, I always say, like our big grandiose ideas. So the the huge ideas that I said that like are TV shows and stuff, those were debuting in the Sunday comics um, later on. Mm -hmm. These are stories that we came up with as it was almost, I say, as like a trial run to get to get in the groove and start practicing writing a certain way because making that transition, uh, making that transition from uh, working on screenplays and teleplays to going directly into writing comics and paneling things out 
and explaining things is such, it, it's something that, it, it's a challenge at first, mm -hmm. but it's a fun challenge. And creatively, it was so much fun to be able to start working that way. And I always say there, there are things that are trial runs, but it became a very seamless transition after about like the first five to ten. Um, and I'm still really proud of these uh, these works. The, the loop uh, art was done by Francois Gomez and Rachel um, Gordon, David Cole had uh, done the art for this one, um, Uncontacted, Gerda Operaku um, had worked on it, and Dave Prock had worked on They Came From The Sky. So, as I said, like, Rachel's doing most of the ideas, like, she's done dozens already that we haven't put on the site, and we're going to be unveiling them soon. Like, one of them we just finished up the pencils for last night, and we looked at it, and, like, Rob and I just, like, started clapping because it was, like, it was something that we had worked on for a month, and it just came out better than we could have ever imagined. Mm -hmm. Getting back to uh, Sunday Comics, you know, what you're saying about um, reading a physical book, I, mean, I, mm -hmm. I can kind of relate in a sense, um, because a few years back, um, um, I treated myself for my birthday to the, uh, to the big book of the Wednesday Comics. Oh yeah, that's great. Did. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, great. I, I'm still trying to figure out that Wonder Woman story. <laughs> so, that, that was just a bit of a mind bender. That story. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I just loved. I loved the feeling of opening this big book in my hands because it was actually the size of a broadsheet newspaper. <laughs> and I just yeah, thought, no, you know, so I just cool. thought that was amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I can see where you where, where you're going with it, and you know the kind of you know the kind of market that you're looking to sort of like tap into, you know, because we we've never really had anything like it here in the UK, as far as I know. I mean, we we do have we did have comic strips in in newspapers, but yeah. it wasn't a pong out thing. It was usually you got a couple of panels of different 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 characters, yeah, sort yeah. of thing. But you know, I can see where you're going with it. Yeah, it's there's a lot of different directions and. Starting a mainstream audience is really one of the big things. I mean, I always have to say, I have to be realistic. I think that there's a few things. We're only focusing on comic shops, I think, will kill us. We're shooting ourselves in the foot if that's even our direction. Um, our goal is to enter mainstream again, uh, get people that aren't reading comics to read them. I think it can be done. I think it's not even tried anymore because people are just reliant on an old model. What's, what's safe and easy? Let's get the current customers to just keep buying because it's cheaper. Well, that also leads into a very big problem. So I give an example um, that's very important. When people are pricing things, um, people ask why ours was more expensive. So I always explain to people something because it's to me, it's just people don't know. And it's something that needs to be uh, really out front. So companies like DC, Marvel, whatever, their printing costs are minuscule compared to ours because they're printing, uh, they reach economies of scale. They're printing tens of thousands of books. It's no question. Their, their printing costs are much cheaper than ours. Well, when we're printing probably one one hundredth of the quantity of theirs, our printing costs are going up. And their, their ability as a loss leader to recoup losses through their films is something we don't have. And a lot of creators and a lot of companies, smaller companies, continue this model. It is mind-blowing to me that people think that you should sell a comic for $0.99 cents or $1.99, even $2.99. It's crazy. It makes no sense. Um, even with film, that a film costs $10 uh, to go see a movie. I mean, we've seen an increase in New York immediately. Like, it's went from $7 to over 20 in New York City mm -hmm. to go see a film. 
Um, people need to factor in inflation. So there, I'll, I give the example. A bagel used to be 25 cents when I grew up. Now it's $2.25. Why has comic books stayed the same in that time period? Um, that's a very big problem because it means that art is being exempted from inflation and that the value doesn't increase normally in a normal market like everything else. It devalues. There's a devaluation curve. And to me, that is red flag sign. That's something that someone needs to pay attention to and start talking about because you can't have devaluation of art. Just because there's a lot of content and things are free online, this is where this uh, model has come from. This is all just a mathematical formula of how people price things. Um, mm -hmm. This is why things like net neutrality can be very dangerous. Sure, I understand some people can't afford everything. I get it. I do. Um, but I also say that if there's more people pirating some stuff than actually reading it, they think they're entitled to things for free because it's on the Internet. We, we've, we've bred a, a society of people that think it's okay to pirate constantly. And that has led to a devaluation of art and has led to a pricing malfunction in the market where it is no longer a normal market. It is operating on a pretty much a string by string basis, which is like, let's just get what we can. Let's get what we can because otherwise people will download it for free. Mm -hmm. um, that's why I mean, I can get into this. This I will say I can get into literally for days because that, that, there's also that means a lot of problems with the way the I, ISPs and the governments are handling the whole situation with um, with pirating. So I think when people ask me, why are you valuing things at this price? Well, a very good friend of mine at Disney told me, this is the reality that I learned, Mark. I can make two prints, the exact same print. One can be on beautiful canvas and one can be on just like 99 cent uh, paper that still looks pretty decent. One I'll sell for $20 and I'll watch them fold it up in front of me and put it in their closet or who knows what, what they'll do with it. The other one that I sell for $300, they're going to get home, hang it up on the wall, and that's it. It's going to be in their minds every day. You have to price things properly. Price things at what you think they're worth, not what you think uh, what you think the market um, has priced things at for you. Don't allow always an external market to determine forces because market forces change. And sometimes you need innovators to change that. Talking about Sunday comics, um, you've got a new Indiegogo campaign. Um, how, how, how much time do you have left on that? Um, there is a question. I know it ends January 27th, so we're over 15 days, I guess. Today's January 12th. Yeah. Okay. So about 15 days. Um, uh, I remember one of uh, the collaborators that we work with, he just asked me right before we got on the phone. He's like, uh, why is the campaign funding us so low so far? And I told him, we haven't exactly been advertising because we're right now getting all the printing uh, squared away. And I told you we're working on a lot of the creative. We set up the Indiegogo um, just so people that asked us to back the project, there were a bunch of people that wanted to back the Kickstarter but weren't able to in time. So we just made that for them. Um, mm -hmm. And... Yeah, I mean, the way Indiegogo works is people can start even once it reaches its goal, because I'm sure it'll reach a thousand. I'm sure we'll raise 200 more dollars in 15 days. And then we'll have the product there for people to buy at any time, um, because we are going to have like a, a stock. We're going to keep a stock of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, the Indiegogo is going on. I mean, I encourage everyone to check it out. There's 
there's a lot of really cool perks or rewards. Yeah, they call it perks on Indiegogo. I mean, we have things like uh, original sketches that you'd like from one of my friends at the Disney artist. He's a, one of the uh, six, five or six D- Disney fine artists that does like all the paintings, which are like phenomenal. Um, Sam Ellis, who's the character designer of Archer, uh, is doing a character to, uh, of Archer sketch for you. Um, Rachel is pretty much, she put up together a package where um, she's doing like, we have like all the things like Sunday comics uh the like an original drawing and a painting um that you'd like so one thing is that rachel also uh she started out as a painter um cool. so she also does like animation and illustration comics but like her painting is like phenomenal um we have ron for or ronald fernand uh who does dennis the menace now he has an original uh, up there for sale so and then we just have the subscription to the sunday comics one year one month, three months, six months, nine months. Well, mm-hmm. uh, we have ukulele reward tiers because we have the right to create our own ukulele comics, um, which we've all written and Rachel's already started to draw. So that's pretty awesome. Um, what else do we have here? There's there's so much. Uh, but yeah. Oh, one thing that I wanted to mention is we we're talking about like uh, some of the projects specifically that we're working on. We also have like a children's book that we're going to launch Kickstarter for shortly. Uh called the bingo lancer cool um and that's on the site too it's a it's a book that rachel had worked on with an old professor of mine Paul Gullen. um it's it's really going to be a great story it's about this uh this dancer and this prince that fall in love and yeah i don't want to give too much away but it's really cool and rachel worked on it for a couple of years it's like a very specific art style um but the coloring that she did and like some of the character designs are really beautiful um and i think people are really going to love that one um, and then as far as animation, I mean, we're, we're working a lot of the stories that we're doing, uh, after Rachel's done with the art, Rob takes them and, uh, builds Bibles and pitches, animation pitches for them. And we have a whole detailed pipeline of what's going on. So aside from Sunday comics, we also have, uh, Saturday morning cartoons, which is our cartoon lineup. Cool. Um, yeah, so... There's a lot of really cool stuff going on every day, and I really do encourage people to come check us out. There's a lot of fun stuff, um, and yeah, I mean, come come on the adventure with us right from the beginning. I mean, I'm sure people will be fans for life once they start uh, reading some of the stuff and really getting to enjoy some of the stories that we're telling. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and people can actually find details of um, of all the various campaigns at goldenbelltv.tv. Yeah, goldenbell.tv, I mean, we're on Facebook. Um, that's where we post the most on facebook.com slash the Sunday comics paper. Um, we're, uh, we're also on like Twitter. I think it's like the Sunday comics. I mean, I'm not the biggest person on social media. I mean, I understand it, but like Rachel is the one that's her other degree besides an art was in marketing and advertising. So mm-hmm. she gets these like ridiculous pay per click rates and she makes these ads and, uh, she knows how to target things really well. Um, that thing is that I always talk about that I didn't really get to mention was that, uh, to build an audience, it's a double edged sword because you to need, you need, uh, you need money to get an audience and you need an audience to make money. Um, and we're at that like flux. We're in that middle point because people are like, wow, you raised 17,000 on Kickstarter. That's great. It's fantastic that we're going to get the print stuff. But like mm-hmm. from a, a grand point of view, like we're three people that are working full time that don't make any money. We didn't even cover all our costs. So some people are like, why did you do it for 17,000? I said, because we want this project to happen. 
Sorry, there's like a bug that keeps flying around here. Um, uh, and we want this to happen. We put in our money um, to make to make sure it happens. So if we're in the red for a few years, whatever, that's fine. That's that's a business risk. That's standard. Um, and we're just excited to see it come together and see what people think of everything that we're working on. So I always say, please, if you see, if you check out the project, even if you have a comment, if you don't wind up purchasing it, send send us a message. I'd love to hear what you think of maybe what you think we could do better or uh, improvements or why you aren't interested in buying it because I'm someone that wants to be able to adapt to an ever-changing market. Um, I want to be able to make something that you will love and I'm curious if it's things like price point, if it's content-wise, um, please reach out because I, I have my phone number on the website. I mean, just give me a call, mm-hmm. send me an email, anything. Okay, well, Mark, it's been great speaking to you, and my, yeah, my, thank, thank you, you for so your much. time. It's been it's been really great having you on. Um, um, but one more time before we go, um, you, you know, you, people can get all the information about um, Sunday comics and Saturday morning cartoons and um, everything else you've mentioned at goldenbellcomics.com. Goldenbellcomics.tv. Uh, Goldenbell.tv, yeah. Goldenbell.tv, sorry. No, no problem, no problem. Um, yeah, and if anyone wants to submit something to us or possibly collaborate with us, just us and me an email. It's, uh, we really love working on everything, so it's always fun to hear from people. Cool. Well, thanks a lot for being on the show. It's been great having you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's science fiction that will blow your mind. This is SFP. And that about wraps things up for this week. Um, I'd like to thank um, Mark Goldner for being kind enough to give up his time. I'd also like to thank uh, Raisa and Craig for the uh, contribution they made at the beginning of the show. It was really great to have Craig back. You know, I've not actually spoke to the guy in six months, so it's just brilliant having him back on. And it was nice to catch up. And, you know, we're, we're going to have him back on um, on a week-to-week basis now. So, it's you know, it's all cool. Um, as ever, you know, I encourage you to check out the other shows here at SciFiPulseRadio.com. Uh, we've got Mats and, and Junie with John Retirement. And they've got a lot of great content coming up. Um, and we'll be back at you again uh, real soon with, with more exciting interviews and specials and uh, and 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 analysis about all, all the latest science fiction fantasy and superhero uh, stuff that's going going on out there um but as always thanks for listening and we'll be back at you soon bye for now